0: The Insurance Coffee House is hosted by Insurance Search. Insurance Search provides executive recruitment services to insurance companies, brokers, and insurtechs in the UK and across the United States, attracting and retaining the most successful leaders to your insurance business. To find out more, visit insurance-search.com. The Insurance Coffee House, the place where you get to meet and be inspired by the most successful insurance business leaders from across the world. Hosted by Nick Hoadley, CEO of Insurance Search.
1: Welcome to the Insurance Coffee House. Today, I'm really happy to be joined by Andrew Booth. Andrew is the Vice President of Marketing and Communications at Medpro Group. And that role also includes learning and development and people leadership side of the business. So, very much in tune and in line with our discussion today. So, Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks, Nick. I'm really glad to be with you. Andrew, great to have you on the show. I know that we've been in talks around this for quite some time now, both sides of things, and uh, really looking forward to hearing more about MedPro where the business is, what you're looking to achieve. Before we dive into that, though, as we are in the insurance coffee house this morning, what's your go-to
0: coffee of choice today? Yeah, Nick, my coffee of choice is pretty boring, really. It's an Americana with normally a little bit of skimmed milk or 2% milk. And if I'm feeling very adventurous, maybe some half and half, but no flavors for me. Andrew, great to find out a little bit more about your background, your career journey and
1: your time there at Mill So maybe if in your own words, you could share with our listeners a little bit more
0: about that. Yeah, I'd be glad to. Probably like virtually everyone in the insurance industry, I didn't grow up and think when I grow up, I want to work in insurance. In fact, uh, when I was very young, I grew up in Wales, the west part of the UK. I was interested in trains and music, and I have done a bit with music. In fact, I, uh, my degree is in music, but I haven't become a train driver. <laughs> when I was 20, I came to visit this little place in Indiana called Fort Wayne and actually involved in some music. And it ended up that I really liked the place and more specifically, really liked this girl who's been my wife for almost 25 years. And I moved to Fort Wayne, Indiana. How I got to MedPro is interesting. I was running a lead generation business for CPAs, actually in the UK. So what that meant was I was getting up at 4.30 30 in the morning and making cold call calls. That was quite something. And after doing that for a while, I'd actually made over 100,000 calls myself and thought, well, I think there's a business here that can be scaled. So I started hiring people, had a number of employees over the years. And I was uh, having lunch with a friend of mine, and he worked at uh, this company called MedPro. And But 95% of our business is generated through agent and brokers, about 5% direct. He managed that direct side of the business. He said, well, what do you do? And I said, I told him what I did. And he said, well, do you come and train my team? And I said, well, I can't even spell insurance. He says, yeah, but you know how to make a phone call. And so he invited me in for a day's direct sales training. At the end of that, he said, do you want a job? And I said, "Uh, I have a job says well mm-hmm. how about being a consultant Well, perhaps a part-time consultant so that's what i did i was still getting up at uh, you know ungodly hours uh, with my uk business and then going over and working at medpro and i started off on that direct sales side and um transitioned into doing some marketing as well after doing that that was about 14 years ago after doing that for about 6 months i loved it but it got to a point where i had to make a decision the money was great but i was working 80 hours a week and i was exhausted mm-hmm. so i um Wound down my UK business, the direct sales business, and came to work for MedPro. Had various roles within the marketing team. In 2016, I became the marketing leader. um, And today, I lead our marketing and communications for our business. We're a Berkshire Hathaway company. We have about $2.5 in premium. That's kind of my day job. My other day job is on the learning and development and people leadership side. So I've had a really... Enjoyable career. And I've come to love insurance. I like the complexity of it. I like the fact that we can help people. Our particular line of insurance is healthcare liability insurance, predominantly. We do a few other things as well. So I believe in the mission of what we do. I like the challenge, the interest of it, even marketing it. Marketing insurance is, you're not like you're marketing a consumer product. It's mm. something that can be a little bit abstract, but love the challenge of it.
1: It sounds like a really interesting journey that's brought you to where you are now, back from that time in Wales with the love of trains and music, heading up the marketing function for a Berkshire halfway company in the United States. So really interesting journey, a bit similar in, in our own world where we do a lot of work in the US, so we're working very late nights often, especially if it's West case, you were getting up at the crack of dawn to do some <laughs> calling over to the UK, which is great. Andrew, in your current role, and we, we talked about, it, it's quite a wide remit. you're having quite a unique role, leading up communications and marketing but also having a very important role on the learning and development and people leadership side of things. Would you mind sharing a little bit more about how that works and maybe how the roles are intertwined or whether you keep them quite distinct and quite separate?
0: Yeah, I think that that wasn't a, you know, it wasn't part of a master plan. You know, sometimes people say, you know, what's your five-year plan? And I would like to, you know, do this and this and this and this. Didn't happen that way. And that's, I think, nearly always the case. What happened was, marketing communications generally in many companies not all there's obviously all of the external uh, part of that and we have 17 divisions or businesses um that serve different customer segments and responsible for the marketing of that plus you know the overall kind of branding but then there's internal communications as well. We have about 1,300 employees and ensuring that employees understand the mission of the business, understand what's important to us. That became a bigger part of my job, obviously working with our CEO. From that, it gave me the opportunity to really see the business quite broadly across all of those business segments and all of the functions um, that support those divisions. And it was at that point where we, I think, were a little bit behind in how we develop people. And so my boss, our CEO, Tim, asked me whether I would take that on. And it was exciting because it was both exciting and a little daunting for the same reason. And the reason was we hadn't done that much. So we had pretty much a blank canvas. And so that's exciting because you get to think, okay, what do we want to do to You know, engage and make our 1,300 employees uh, better. But it can be daunting when there's not a whole lot in place. And so over the last uh, several years, we've uh, done things like really shore up our orientation, think about job-specific training, leadership development for those that are brand-new managers, those mid-level managers, more more senior. So we've done some of those foundational things. So that's kind of how it evolved. And so I have this unusual job which keeps me busy, keeps me out of trouble.
1: We work with a lot of businesses where, Obviously, the key part of their marketing is towards their clients, their prospects You know, as they're trying to grow the business. But then if you ask them, you know, the key question, you know, how are you going to grow? And it often involves hiring and retaining the best talent. Often the marketing's on that side can be really quite on the back burners or it can come very much second fiddle. So I think having that integration between the two and then from a communications perspective, your communications out to your client, but then your internal communications and your development, I think that's really key. Andrew, you touched on a couple of numbers there of revenue and employee numbers. Where is the business at the moment in terms of MedPro? You talk about several different business lines or segmentations there. Can you give us a snapshot of the
0: business as it is at the moment? MedPro's been around since 1899, so we'll celebrate our 125th anniversary next year, which is pretty cool. About a century, we were owned by a family, and we basically provided professional liability or med mal or healthcare liability to physicians and surgeons and dentists. We were part of GE for a little while, and then in 2005, Berkshire Hathaway acquired us. We think that being part of the Berkshire family gives us an incredible an advantage, the commitment to do things the right way. Really an unlimited canvas. We can grow as far as we can imagine. And We have grown materially. When I joined MedPro, I think we were about a third of the size, both in terms of our premium and in terms of our employee count. So today, we provide healthcare liability insurance across the continuum of healthcare. So from an individual nurse, nurse practitioner, chiropractor, dentist, all the way to the largest hospital systems uh, in the country. Beyond that, we also have healthcare liability business in Europe. And that's a growing segment. We do a little bit of legal professional liability. And then we have a student health business uh, that is very different than all of our liability businesses. So we've grown a lot. What's interesting is that Berkshire doesn't give us any top-line goals. Berkshire essentially says to us, run your business as if it's your family's only asset for a 100 years. Do everything with complete integrity and ask us if you need any help. That kind of long-term mindset underpins everything that we do, all the decisions that we make. And we will only grow into segments if we think that we can become the industry leader, not in the first year, not maybe in the first couple of years, but over time, that's kind of been our approach. So I think MedPro will continue to grow. I'm not sure that we'll grow as fast as we have grown, but the most important thing for us is, can we build industry-leading businesses that will be profitable through all of the insurance cycles. So that's the way we think about it. Yeah, the values,
1: obviously, that the Berkshire Group have commitment to long-term success, I'm sure is very attractive. You mentioned earlier on the call around purpose as well, and it's something that you get behind. I wonder if that's something discussed with you. In terms of the purpose, is that offering protection to those Healthcare practitioners—is it raising standards across patient care and healthcare across the board, or what's the purpose of the
0: businesses you see? It? Yeah, Nick, that's insightful. I don't know that I can say it in you know one or two uh, sentences, but when we communicate to our employees, we have one page. We call it our foundation slide, and we try and describe everything about the business on that one page. We use that at our quarterly uh, communications when we do all employee meetings. We use it in our corporate communications that Tim, our CEO, sends. So we're constantly trying to reinforce what's important because we want our employees to understand it. On that page, right at the very top, it says we exist to serve our stakeholders. And that's the mindset that we have, that kind of servant-heartedness towards our stakeholders. And we have three primary stakeholders, our customers, our distribution partners, and employees. Berkshire's the fourth we obviously have to take care of. For each of those stakeholders, we want to make commitments. So for our customers, we have about 350,000 customers or so. We want to offer them peace of mind, expertise, and choice. Peace of mind that we know that they're going to be there, that when it matters most, we're going to be at our best. Expertise that we know what we're doing, choice that we have insurance options and products that can meet almost any need. So that's for our customers. For our distribution partners, we want to become their most trusted insurance partner. Our distribution partners, most of them, sell multiple lines of insurance, and they have multiple carriers in which they sell those products. If we can become their most trusted partner, which is easy to say, hard to do, then you know they'll probably be willing to put you know, maybe a few more eggs in our basket, and that's good. And then for our employees, we want this to be a place where they can grow, where they can make an impact, and then that where they can take care of their families through what we call our wallet commitment. So those are our three primary stakeholders and the commitments that we make. Beyond that then, We defined what our culture is. I think every organization has a culture. Not every organization codifies it. But we, a few years ago, said that we want to have, or we have, this inclusive culture that values five things. And I've touched on a few of them already. The first is uncompromising integrity. So we say to our employees, look, you can make a mistake in business. We prefer that you don't. You can't make a mistake in integrity. That's the most important thing to us. It's the most important thing to Berkshire. The second is obsessive client focus. I mentioned earlier on that we're not selling a tangible product, we're selling a piece of paper and a promise. So we have to differentiate ourselves by how we treat people. So that's important to us. The third is great teamwork. And we talk about transparency and trust and thanks beneath that. you know, If we can quickly get issues to the surface, we don't have you know silent skeptics. We can build trust. And trust, I think, speeds things up and it costs less when there's trust, you can get things done uh, more efficiently. The fourth value is strong performance, and we measure that both With our employees and then with each of our business segments. And then the last, one of the things I get to do is to interview all new employees at the final stage. Our HR leader, myself, and our CEO uh, typically do that. So I'll interview maybe 100 and I don't know, 150, 175 people a year. And I nearly always get asked, you know, what's MedPro's culture like? And I'll mention those four values and people nod their heads. And then I say the last one, which is disciplined 100 year outlook. And I can see people's faces going, what did he say? What does that mean? But that goes back to that Berkshire philosophy of thinking about things for the long haul, where there's, I would say, almost a juxtaposition between constancy, things staying the same, and change we've got long tenured employees, we've got a high retention rate, uh, we've got you know, the highest financial ratings uh, from AM Best and the Berkshire stability. That's the constancy side. But we will constantly then want to, no pun intended, change and evolve and improve. So those are our five values. Those are the things that we uh, talk about with our employees. And if we do all of that, then we deliver for Berkshire, our fourth stakeholder. I think it's so important to be very clear on that
1: and to have that part of the recruiting process as part of that interview process they have very clear lines as to the types of people and making sure those values are aligned in that hiring process do you ever get any people sort of questioning whether you know the business is moving fast enough at a pace for them to really come in and make some change
0: or how do you sort of deal with those conversations nick that's an interesting question yeah i think that any business that has been around for a long time and is stable is going to have a challenge to maintain an entrepreneurial spirit. We want to be hungry and nimble while leveraging the scale of our size. Said another way, we want to be big and act small. That's fairly easy to say, but it's hard to do. And so Warren Buffett talks about the ABCs of business decline, arrogance, bureaucracy, and complacency. We fight against those a lot. We don't want them creeping into our business. With that said, you know, we're in the process of transforming our technology right now and the processes that are connected to that, and it's hard work. It's hard work because we've got, you know, all of these divisions, we've built things, we have different systems and trying to build them to become a a more modern um, insurance company. I think our consumers, our customers aren't measuring us against our competitors. They're measuring us against their buying experience with Amazon or Delta or whatever company it might be. And that's a high bar. And so we're challenging ourselves to do that. It's not easy. And so I think looking for ways to be more efficient, to be more customer friendly, to get things done, we're challenging ourselves. We think about it a lot, but it's hard to do.
1: We've seen a rush of very tenured insurance executives move into the more insured tech space or the more technology yeah. part of our industry. And sadly, over the last year or so, we've seen a lot of layoffs and we've seen a lot of people going back to those more safer harbors that- those companies who have got, you know, significant rounding and are built for the long term. You can't be everything to everybody. If your values and the way that you're doing business aligns with them, then that's fantastic. And if it doesn't, then it's not essentially a great match at the outset. It's very important that that's communicated clearly, which it sounds like it is throughout
0: the process. I will just say Nick that I think uh, there is opportunity for call it legacy carriers. Insurance companies have been doing this for a long time to build insure tech capabilities that can enhance their offering, which is not the same as a company that's just trying to start up. They have the advantage of they can move more quickly, they can be more nimble. Sometimes they have capital constraints and perhaps they don't understand the loss environment. On the other hand, legacy carriers do understand that it's harder for them to move quickly. So if you can find a way to build on all of your strength and all of your knowledge, all of your data, we have more data than probably anybody else, certainly in our industry. But bring some of that insure tech capabilities to bear. I think that that's potentially a winning proposition. Yeah, it's a great marriage. Moving
1: on to post-pandemic world, and I know hybrid and remote working, something that's been very successful for you there, and I believe that was quite innovative. So it was something that you were launching when you started up before the pandemic started. How does that look for MedPro, and how has that had an impact on the business?
0: Yeah, Nick, I don't know that I can claim that we were being especially innovative. I think we were a little bit lucky, and I'll explain. Well, first of all, let me just ground pre-COVID. We had about 25% of our employees were remote. They were claims professionals. They were uh, risk managers, underwriters. They were working generally in the jurisdictions in which they had their um, responsibility for. But we had one of our businesses, one of our divisions, wanted to pilot a work-from-home model in 2019. They were based in a big city on the East Coast, people with long commutes. And they said, look, we'd like to try this one day a week. They tried it and it was successful. And so we made a decision right at the very end of 2019 that we would pilot that across our business and we'd do it one day every other week. And I remember working with a few other people to kind of figure out what are the rules going to be, the principles of how we're going to do this. By the way, I prefer guiding principles over rules. Someone said that when you create a rule, you create a center. But these guiding principles of how we were going to operate. You also have to think about the technology uh, to support that. I mean, we need, you know, our customer service folks need to be able to take calls at home. So we purchased the technology and did all of the training in January and February of 2020, and then COVID hit. And like every business in America, most businesses around the world, we have to send everybody home very, very quickly. It's not an overstatement to say that we basically had zero issues from a technology perspective and from a productivity uh, perspective. We were so fortunate because we had made that decision. So that's why I said, I don't know if we were very innovative, because before mm-hmm. that time, I think we had a fairly traditional mm-hmm. approach to, mm-hmm. you know, if you buy an office, you work in an office five days a week. Mm-hmm. And so we send everyone home. And you know, we had to figure out how we're going to get teams to collaborate. One of the things that we did early on that I think made a difference was that we created an expectation that for every call and for every meeting, video was going to be on. That was something that I'm not sure that we had a huge amount of intentionality, but we did it and it became normal. And when I talked to people from other companies, they said, Wow, you, you do that. Nobody ever does that. But I think if you're going to have an engaging environment, if you're going to have good teamwork, I think being able to see one another does make a difference. And so we went through the uh the pandemic and then we brought folks back uh, one day a week. So our model right now is a hybrid model. We're about 50-50. In January we're going to have people in the office about 3 days a week. We think that there's value especially for newer younger employees just being in the office. You know, if you're new to a job and you can hear someone in the next cube who's been perhaps doing this role for many years, you get to listen to them, you know, take a call, perhaps deal with a a difficult situation. And just that that kind of learning through osmosis, we think is important. We think that we just had a big Halloween event where we decorated our building, different teams had different themes and everyone's coming together. We think that that kind of camaraderie in an office setting is important. At the same time, we recognize that people enjoy working from home, can be productive from home. So we found this hybrid model is working pretty well for us.
1: And what effect has that had on the business, on the ability to hire talent,
0: on the ability to retain talent? Let's talk about retaining talent first. We've been very fortunate to have more than a 95% employee retention rate for years and years and years. It's something that we're really proud of, that we take seriously. And I think that people generally have found that they can come to MedPro, that they can you know, fulfill their professional dreams, they can grow, they like it and That they can make a difference. Those numbers didn't really change during COVID or post COVID. And we're very thankful for that. On the hiring side, we we hire about 150, 175 people every year. We tend to hire people in three buckets. We hire seasoned professionals, they've been in the insurance industry for, for a while, people that are new to insurance, maybe it's their first job out of college, and then we hire interns. We have 50 plus interns, and we hire Majority of them. I'm not exactly sure what the number, Nick, is, but probably 75 to 80% of them, we hire them into full time employment. It's been really successful. Those that are just graduating from college, many of them will work in one of our offices. We have offices around the country, but we do have the ability for people to be uh, remote, and that does help us from a hiring perspective. I think in today's workforce, if you don't have some kind of hybrid environment, you're going to be at a disadvantage because I think employees are looking for that type of flexibility. We've got some of our consulting work with clients who are coming back
1: to us and saying what are the rest of the market doing very much if you're not offering some element of hybrid i think it's a real challenge to hire high quality people people have got used to that way of working that additional flexibility with family commitments with you know not necessarily wanting to commute an hour and a half two hours each way into an office if, if that work can be done at home and i think that's the big if which you referred to earlier those younger employees there's more junior employees or even you know managers and leaders who need to be in the office to collaborate and to have meetings and i think it's really important as you said about having that camera on for all meetings you know you wouldn't have a meeting in the office where people are not looking at each other or not being able to see each other it's interesting to see the cues and it's interesting to see how you know people are paying attention and reacting to what things are being said so it's very important you know it sounds like it's been really really successful for the business and i think tied in with the longer term plan that you have the organization and stability that have been a berkshire company i think means that it's a great destination we'll move on now to the espresso round now where the questions are short sharp and to the point you like an americano i've got an americano here as well are you ready for the espresso round yep let's go the
0: espresso round
1: andrew What one recommendation would you have for an executive or a senior insurance professional who's coming in to interview
0: for you there? Have you understood the job and been able to contextualize your experience with what an organization is looking for? I think that that's important.
1: So really understanding the mission of the role rather than sort of like the day in, day
0: out of the task, what actually is that impact going to have on the business Exactly. What does success look like? And what have you done in the past that would indicate that you're going to succeed in that role? To your peers out there, HR executives, business leaders within the insurance
1: industry, looking to hire and to hire good talent. What would be your one piece
0: of advice for them in in terms of hiring great talent? It's not one size fits all. We do a lot of web marketing for new hires. We do um, social media on LinkedIn. We also engage headhunting type companies when we need to find uh, more senior people. So I think recognizing you need a lot of tools in the toolkit. I think beyond that, having the ability to explain what the organization is doing, why it does it, um, so that it stands out that this is something that I want to be. I mean, it's in some ways, it's easy for us because we are the industry leader. We do have Berkshire as part of who we are. So those things themselves... I think really uh, clarifying, you know, why is this place a great place to build a career and how, uh, where you can make a difference. And you
1: mentioned there about using headhunting firms, search firms for senior talent. What's the most important thing? What's the thing that you value most when selecting a partner
0: on a particular assignment? We only use a search company or, or headhunter for more of our senior, more technical roles. And I think we value somebody that's been in that space for a long time. And we build a long-term relationship so they really understand MedPro. They understand kind of the types of people that we end up hiring and when those people get in the role and they succeed. I think that in any organization, longevity in partnership is helpful. That person or persons really understand what we're about, the types of people that we're looking for.
1: Final question. If the espresso around and i'm going to change this slightly so my question was going to be around the tech that you used to support talent attraction in the hiring process but i'd also like to combine that with marketing with your sphere of thing. so what's the sort of like piece of marketing or strategy that you use that combines the
0: marketing and the hiring process to bring talent to medpro So one of the things that we did, I mentioned that there was a lot of foundational things when we started working on our learning and development. We didn't have a talent management system in place. We put one in place and that for learning, we use it for performance management. But We also use it for hiring. That platform gives us metrics on the number of people that are applying for jobs and the average time. And so we can can see all of that when doing. In addition to that, we also have a careers focused website. So we can look at all the metrics there and we're using social media to drive people to that website. We try and use on that careers website the language that we use within the business. So it's all consistent. So when somebody's looking at the website, then they're interviewing with people. And I I should have mentioned, we do several rounds of interviews, sometimes five rounds of interviews. We hire very carefully. And I think that's been part of our high retention rate by being thoughtful around that. So we use technology to drive people to our websites. We then use a talent management system and we can pretty much look at the metrics throughout the whole journey you can see
1: that marketing side of things of how you would go around setting up the social media to drive engagement and to drive people to a website to landing pages and monitor right. that i think all businesses should be doing that on the hiring side particularly where they feel that talent and bringing people into their organization is the key driver to growing the business andrew we're almost at the end of our time today time has flown past for sure Before we go, what would be your one piece of closing advice? And if there's people out there now considering an opportunity at MedPro or like the sound of the business, what would be the best way for them to reach out to you?
0: First of all, I think if you go to our careers site, MedPro.com, and then you click on the careers button, would be a way for you just to basically understand a bit more about MedPro and look at the open positions that we've got. I mentioned, you know, I didn't think I'd end up in insurance and here I am in Fort Wayne working out of our home office and I feel really, really fortunate. I work for a company that is committed to do things the right way. I've had opportunities for new challenges. I work with really smart people that want to get stuff done. I'm very thankful for that and I don't take it for granted. You know, I think for people that are considering, you know, working insurance or even perhaps even considering working at MedPro, MedPro has been a place for me to be able to, I think, grow and, you know, make an impact. I'm very thankful. And thank you for asking me to participate in this.
1: That's quite all right. I think that's fantastic. I love that that's the outcome. And you've been blessed with those opportunities throughout your career at MedPro. And I think taking a step back and saying, yeah, this is a great place for me and for my development and for my family. I think it's wonderful. and Very inspiring, actually. So thank you for that, Andrew. Thank you for joining us today. We'll be posting those links so people can click through to the careers page. If it's okay with you, we'll put your LinkedIn on there as well for anyone to give some feedback there as well but thank you for joining us today it's been a great conversation Good stuff. thanks nick
0: thank you for listening to the insurance coffee house with nick hoadley join us next time for another episode packed with insights and advice for senior leaders c-suite executives and ambitious insurance professionals stream all episodes at insurance-search.com